Did you know that Canada has the highest rates of youth vaping in the world? It seems like a lot of the headlines this past couple of weeks have been about uh, young people and trends of uh, drug use and so forth. But I didn't know this, that Canada has the highest rates of youth vaping in the world. Some health experts are calling it a crisis. Many concerned are calling for further regulation of the sale of certain vape flavors to stop the enticement among teens, but some feel Health Canada is missing in action. Cynthia Callard is the executive director at Physicians for a Smoke-Free Canada and joins me now. Thanks for joining me, Cynthia. Well, thank you very much. So Canada currently has a Tobacco and Vaping Act. What does it essentially regulate? What does it say? Uh, Well, before the act was changed in 2018, it was not legal to sell vaping products in Canada. Even though there were lots of vape shops and the government was turning a blind eye, they weren't technically legal. And because of that, tobacco companies did not get into the business because they wanted to kind of um, adhere to the law in um, you know in such an obvious way but after the law changed um, it was became legal to sell nicotine in forms other than uh, cigarettes in and in a non-therapeutic context so there was a new recreational drug on the market and it was in every corner store and it was in lots of flavors and it was heavily promoted for a number of for a while until the, some uh, restrictions came in on that and the result was um almost inevitable that children experimented with these sweet-tasting, fun-looking, you know, cloud-blowing um, uh, devices and became addicted to the nicotine in them. And then in 2001, the federal government did sound the alarm on the increase in vaping among youth. And, and there were proposed changes to the legislation, uh, but those amendments have not happened. Yes. Uh, two years ago, in 2019, the government proposed that it would um, restrict the flavors in vaping products and allow only tobacco-flavored or mint or menthol-flavored uh, vaping products. But they backtracked on that very quickly. That was the former health minister that made that announcement. And the new health ministers have never committed to doing it. They've never tweeted about it. They've never even tweeted an acknowledgement, really, about you vaping. They've never had speeches about it. They've never proactively, you know, it's kind of disappeared from view. And there was another measure that they also proposed doing in 2019, which was to regulate the look of the devices. So right now, these things can be designed in a way that really, you know, looks fun to hold and um, has a particular youth appeal, can have jewelry on it, can be, you know, lots of fancy colors and designs. Um, So if, if these things were allowed onto the market in the belief that they would help help smokers move to something that was potentially less harmful. It's not necessary to have bling on the devices or to have them ornamented or have them even necessarily in all sorts of crazy flavors. But, but for some reason, there was a change of heart in government, and it's never been explained to us why, they, why a measure that they thought was so important two years ago, they now think is not worth doing. Well, I was going to ask you, Cynthia, why do you think they haven't done more? Well, I think um, I, I think I don't know. My belief is that there's some important people who've been convinced that uh, by people who uh, represent the vaping industry or who represent vapors that this will cause harm to individuals who are vaping now. There's a suggestion that they will move back 
to um, cigarettes if they can't get a flavored vape. That doesn't make sense to me at a gut level. You know, if you've if if you don't want to um, to use a, a tobacco flavored vaping product, why would you move to a tobacco flavored cigarette? Like right. that that link doesn't make work for me. But also the evidence is not there. There have been other jurisdictions which have banned flavors, and there have been a number of surveys of of uh, uh, smokers who shift to vaping and flavors, and that evidence has not found any greater likelihood that people that use uh, flavored vaping are more likely to. Um, uh, overall, there's been no evidence that, that they're more likely to quit smoking. So there isn't a, a, um, a scientific reason not to move forward. But I, so I think there must just be a political reason. Mm. So that, um, uh, But certainly, I would say that the government has not been that open to listening to the views of organizations like ourselves or, or others. There has been very little conversation or meetings about it. it it's just been a stonewall. Now, I, from what I understand, vaping has been used as a cessation tool to help people quit smoking. Talk to me, Cynthia, about the harm in vaping when it comes to youth and why this is now at what some have called a crisis level. The, the main problem we have with the health impact of vaping is that we don't really know because it generally takes a long time before we find the long-term effects of a product on someone. So there, there was a belief that vaping products would uh, be less harmful because the, the, what you inhale contains fewer um, carcinogenic uh, uh, compounds. Mm-hmm. And th- that inherently makes sense. But we we still don't have a lot of evidence about the other parts that you inhale. So it's not in vaping products, there's things you inhale there that you don't inhale in a cigarette product, including uh, propylene glycol, including the flavorings, uh, including a lot of part, um, an equal amount of particulate matter that you get with cigarettes. So I, at, at a gut level, I think right now we can probably believe that vaping products cause less cancer, but they're probably... Uh, there are many scientists who think that they are equally likely to cause uh, lung disease because of the particulates and heart disease because they've studied the inf- effect of vaping exposure on um, cells and other kind of uh, preclinical, what they call preclinical studies. And there's there's worrisome suggestions that they will also cause perhaps as much damage as cigarettes do. So for young people, the immediate issue is um, uh, nicotine and nicotine exposure and nicotine addiction, uh, which in an uh, immature brain is a, um, shown to be a real problem. But the, the, the effect of addiction, of course, is over time. You keep using it again and again and again and again and again. Uh, 10% of high school seniors, grades 10 to 12 in Canada, are vaping every day. And many of them are vaping multiple times in a day you know and so if you can if you maintain that for a number of years your heart and lungs are going to suffer so i'm understanding from what you're saying that while there is nicotine in many of the vaping products it is at a lower degree than than cigarettes correct the nicotine is at the same level, but some of the, when you burn a cigarette, it creates uh, hydrogen cyanide and formaldehyde and other cancer-causing chemicals. Right. Those chemicals are not present in the vapes that you inhale. So, Cynthia, why do you think the rates are so high in Canada that we are, uh, you know, unfortunately the leaders in the world when it comes to youth vaping? 
Well, I think we've had one of the most permissive regulatory systems. In in Europe, when they uh, legalized these products, they did not allow them to come in with high doses of nicotine. And we allowed that for the first two years. And so there was a large number of youth who became exposed to high levels, learned they could get a real brain hit, and it kind of set the fad in, you know, encouraged more people to try, and that sort of had a multiplier effect. Um, uh, Many governments still do not permit e-cigarettes to be sold as consumer products. Um, you know, in major countries and in most of Latin America, you can't buy them in corner stores. You can maybe sneak them in illegally, but there's not a large commercial market. And in the United States, there's been far more action at um, discouraging youth um, and far more more effective promotions, far more effective education. I think the Canadian government took a laissez-faire attitude. One um, researcher described the Canadian approach as business-friendly harm reduction. You know, it's quite it's quite one thing to say, no, no, we want these products to be available to smokers. It's another thing to put them in candy flavors in corner stores. Yeah. I have seconds left, Cynthia, but I, I do want to underline that. The real concern is that if we're going to have vaping products, not marketing it to a younger a younger clientele by having all of these flavored, uh, you know, fun birthday cake, whatever flavors that appeal to a younger a younger demographic. Exactly. And and tinkering with the devices now, now disposable products have entered the market in the last year. Super cheap. You know, it's it's cheaper to buy a vaping product than it is to buy, you know, a, a medium-sized pizza or even a small wow. pizza. You know, it's affordable to young people. It's disposable. Your teacher won't see it. Your, your mother won't see it. You know, you can hide it in a way that you could never hide tobacco use. And um, it, it's a recipe for disaster. Cynthia, thank you so much for your time and shedding light on this really disturbing trend. Thank you so much for your interest in this story. Absolutely. That was Cynthia Callard. She is the executive director at uh, Physicians for a Smoke-Free Canada.